As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. This is the Gut Reaction Podcast, Mile High Huddle Pod slash Dove Valley Deep Diver Pod. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, Eric Trickle, the Senior Draft Analyst at Mile High Huddle. Been with me since before the beginning. It's like in the beginning, there was the word, right? In the beginning, there was Chad and Eric at Pro Football Spot, and now here we are. But, bro, what's going on? How are you feeling? Real quick, how are you feeling about... uh, just kind of the energy this team played with tonight. I mean, it was nice to see that there was a lot more energy, a lot more fight. And I can't remember who it was. Somebody talked about it on there that this last week, there was a lot of grilling from Hackett about the lack of energy overall. And it was nice to see it. I mean, there was still some bad plays. Some still a lot of tackling issues, especially early on. But I mean, it's you can definitely see that they're fighting harder. They're playing harder. So it's it's just... Night and day. Do you think Nathaniel Hackett lit that fire? I mean, obviously, a big reason for you know an uptick in uh, intensity is these players know this is their last swing at the plate. This is their last you know chance to close that job interview down, and obviously that plays a big role here. But do you think a part of it too was, hey, there were questions coming out of Game Two of, hey, Nathaniel Hackett is he all carrot? Can he drop the stick and he drop the hammer when it needs to to be dropped? And will the players take him seriously in those situations? Did this game in any way, shape, or form, Eric, answer any of those questions for you? I think that it was a case of two things. I think it was Hackett definitely, you know, getting through to them being that's not okay. That's not acceptable. We want we're going for a championship. We can't play like that. Even if we're even if it's a preseason, even if it's the fourth string out there, we can't play that well. And I also think that there was some um player accountability as well involved in this too, of that whole thing of you guys are fighting for a roster spot, have some dignity ha- dignity, have some self-respect, go out there, play harder, play better. And if you don't, I mean your NFL career is done. Like even if you don't make it with the Broncos, you're still putting tape out there to try to catch on with another team. Exactly. A few quick hellos to the people in the room that got in early, like 
uh, Randy Ann, Diamond Rattler, always, almost, almost always the first comment in the chat, regardless of the stream. Great to see you, Diamond. Uh, Nick, hey, man, how about you watch and then listen to us? That's what we're doing. We're, we got the game on. We know what's going on. Um, Albert in the hizzy, what's going on, big dog? Yes, in, indeed. I think it was a night and day difference from an intensity perspective. Ben, what's going on out there in North Carolina, big dog? Uh, you're up late. You're up late. You're pushing midnight. So props to you, brother. Um, we got an early super chat in from the Duchess, giving us some support here as we burn the midnight oil, depending on where you're at, of course, yeah, under the sun. The Duchess, thank you, Michaela. Love you. Appreciate you. You know this. She's Mount Rushmore superstar here at MHH. And she says, the NFL slapped the Broncos in the face. They had the Broncos game scheduled on NFL Network. But they put on the replay of Seattle versus Dallas. Disrespect. Well, I think we played much better. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Who knows what goes into those type of decisions on a preseason game? I mean, I'm sure it's somehow revenue-oriented. I don't know. But, yeah, for sure, Michaela, the Broncos did play much better. And I think what I'm taking away from this, Eric, was the rational part of my football brain. All right, was going, Chad, hey. I know it's just the priest. You haven't seen first teamers. No one should be jumping to conclusions. Keep it, keep it level, keep it rational. Try and bury some of the emotions. Cause again, it wasn't just game two, Eric, that they got blown out. Who cares? Preseason, but it was how it happened, right? It was the complexion of that game. It was like Malachi crunch, curb stomp, put your teeth on the curb, kaboom. And so I was like, uh, this is a good, this was a great way to punctuate the preseason because now you can go back to that original posture, I think, as a fan and go, you know what? Of course it wasn't a perfect preseason. We're playing twos and threes. Nathaniel Hackett rested Russell Wilson and the vast majority of the ones. It's going to look entirely different and significantly better when those guys are on the field come week one. I think Broncos fans can now hang their hat on that. Yeah, and I think I can't remember who it was that I saw. I think with tonight's game, 27 players didn't dress for tonight's game. They fielded 53 uniformed players. And two of them were punters. But I mean, <laughs> right. going back to last week's game, there's the there's those the adages of, you know, this the score was much closer than the game actual was or the score the close score doesn't really represent the game, you know. And last week's game the score was perfect representation of it. Like the Broncos just got manhandled from start to finish by the bills and preseason. It, as you said, it's not the, what the score was that matters. It was how it achieved. Yeah. They had, the bills had what eight straight drives where they were getting into the end zone. Ridiculous. Like, it was just completely unacceptable. It was great to see the offense come out with a better start. I think that speaks well for Brett Rippon as his quarterback battle and the defense as well. They had a little bit more fire. Missed tackles, though, those were still an issue that hopefully we see fixed, even with the depth guys. Reminder, thank you, Dylan. Make sure you give the video a like real quick, guys, even if you're only with us for a minute or two tonight. It, we know it's late. A quick like on the video if you're on YouTube or Facebook goes a long way to helping us out here. So thank you for that reminder, Dylan. Uh, make sure you also, guys, connect with Eric on Twitter, at Eric Trickle, as you can see on your screen. You can connect with me at Chad and Jensen. We love keeping the conversation going. Uh, as much as we love our, the streams, the conversation continues when we hit end broadcast. And that's where, in large part, it happens there in the comment section on YouTube and Facebook. We 
we try to juggle all these great communities we have here. Eric, dude, Mike Boone, we finally saw. So here's the good news. We got to finally see a taste of Nathaniel Hackett's wide zone scheme being executed with a modicum of competency. And to me, Eric, who really jumped out, at least in the first half, was Mike Boone. What did you think of him? And then what did you think of Ozigbo and Jaquan Hardy? So what stood out to me with helping Mike Boone was Calvin Anderson at left tackle. I have said multiple times, Calvin Anderson at left tackle is fine. Calvin Anderson at right tackle is not. He just seems to be one of those players that can't fully get his technique down or get comfortable playing on the opposite line of the scrimmage. And when Mike Boone was out there, the offensive line, the left side was great. Quinn Bailey did a great job at left guard for the first time this preseason. Graham Glasgow did a good job at center. Luke Wattenberg at right guard and Cameron Fleming at right tackle were god-awful. And I think that we saw those runs of Mike Boone were consistently off the left side, and Mm -hmm. they just were opening up the lanes. And then uh, Mike Boone, quick, explosive, having that agility to make people miss, and even enough power to sit there and force himself through tackles. I remember one hit, and uh, he got a good help from the tight ends and running backs or wide receivers as well. The one that stands out was Montreal Washington, for as little as he was, he was willing to throw down as a blocker. And there was one where he just lowers his shoulder into it. Had no impact on the result of the play, but willingness to see that willingness from a wide receiver is great. It is. And it just shows shows heart, shows the want to. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, maybe I'm wrong on this because Isaiah McKenzie went on to have a little bit of success in – in Buffalo, but I think that's the type of thing, the intangibles we get into that separates, uh, you know, late round gadgety kind of speed demon type uh, prospect that sticks and finds a way to have some lasting success in the NFL uh, from a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, who just fumbled his opportunity away in Denver. Anyway, I love the intangibles of Montreal, uh, Washington. And what's exciting about that. Eric, as it dovetails nicely, it's commensurate. It's on the same level with his very, very impressive physical skills. What did you think of a couple of, you know, being that you're, you spent a lot of time studying trenches, right? Defensive and offensive linemen. Obviously, anyone that's read any of your stuff the last couple of weeks, you've been very down on McTelvin Ajim. What'd you think of Ajim tonight? The splash plays were fantastic. In between the splash plays, not so much. I'm Sulin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. 
I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. Um, I remember it was like third and eight, third and nine for the Vikings. I saw Jonathan Harris and McTelvin Ajim as the three tackles. And I was in a group chat with some people on Discord. And I remember saying is Vikings are going to run it up the middle and they're going to get a first down. And that's what happened. Like they were just able to easily one-on-one Harris and Ajim and push them out of the way and pick up the first down. Um, that one first for the first force fumble from Ajim was against the run. And it was a great play, but that was the only real good play he had against the run. The rest came as a pass rusher, which we know he can do. It's tough because he, those, his ability as a pass rusher, you still want to work with when you see, especially when you see the flashes that you saw and the one, the strip sack that he got, how he cleared out the way for Baron Browning to get the initial pressure was just a thing of beauty. It was, it was the technique was almost perfection. It's just how can you trust him to be out there when you're seeing in the preseason teams targeting him as a run defender because yeah. he just can't hold his own consistently there. And it's still it's gonna make for a tough case on the defensive line. Cause I think with Uwazarike's draft slot, he's safe being an mm-hmm. early fourth round pick. So your final spot is is it gonna be Henningsen or is it gonna be Ajim? Right. And Henningsen has had a more well-rounded and more complete better preseason than Ajim has but Ajim and those those splashes his athletic ability it it's a conversation and it might be one where the Broncos feel pretty good about their odds of say sneaking a Matt Hennison through the waiver wire to their practice squad more so than their odds of being able to successfully do that with McTelvin Ajim now that's just me speculating I don't know I frankly haven't seen enough from McTelvin Ajim this summer to justify him making the roster. I like seeing the splash plays tonight, two nice splash plays, but we need more. Michael Ronquillo, what's going on, Big Dog? As you said, Eric, consistency. The Duchess with another super chat supporting the MHHers. We really love that. Thank you, Michaela. She says, I think Brett Rippon won the backup job. Eric, I haven't seen Josh Johnson do anything NFL – worthy like like if you put yourself in the mindset of okay russell wilson got out of bed and stubbed his toe he can't play today but he'll be fine next week and so you need a guy to kind of keep the ship afloat i haven't seen anything from josh johnson since whatever the last possession was he had in the first preseason game till this point meanwhile brett Rippon, he's got some momentum now he comes with a lot of downside in terms of golly that ball placement and lack of velocity sometimes it's just so cringe but he kept things moving, you know, and he's got that big brain between the ears. Do you think Brett Rippon won the job? It's tough. I mean, what we saw or what I saw of Josh Johnson before we went live when I was still watching the game, it wasn't the greatest. I'm pulling up ESPN, looking at his, his stat line. He's 11 to 14 for just over 100 yards. So it doesn't seem like he's like super making super tough throws. I know that he had one big one to Jalen Virgil. Yeah. And for 34 yards where it seemed it was a short, I think it was short of the sticks and Virgil made the play for a first down and for the big gain. But when you look at it, if you lose your starting quarterback, it's who, which backup is going to be least likely to cost you games. Mm -hmm. And Josh Johnson has been such a roller coaster in the preseason games and practices that 
Rippin is a little bit more consistent and you know his strengths and his weaknesses and you can better prepare the offense around that than you can because you just don't know what version of Josh Johnson you're going to get. For Shout me... Out. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. For me, Brett Rippin has won it. Yeah. But we'll see because it seems like the coaches really do want Josh Johnson. I mean, it's a cool story. You know, the broadcast tonight spent a lot of time focusing on his spirit to persevere and i got mad props for that uh but it's not coming out in the wash you know what good does that do you if it's not coming out in the wash that it's a cool storyline but uh lbk lb cool k shout out right back at you buddy massive fan from a 15 year old in la hash uh, louisiana hashtag state of being i assume you mean louisiana right so maybe it's actually los angeles but it's great to have you with us phil thank you for the stars big dog he says i thought nick benito Looked a lot better against the run. Hashtag let's ride. They they said that on the broadcast as well, Eric. I didn't really see, and this isn't me trying to clown Nick Benito. I'm not. I mean, he's got a place on the roster. He's going to take time to marinate. I really didn't see anything different from him today than I saw in game one or two, to be frank. But I'm, you know, we're not looking at coaches film here. I'm just going off what I'm seeing on the broadcast. Well, I guess he just had a strip sack as we started talking about this. Um, nice. Against the run, um, with what I saw, he's been the same for me against the run tonight as he was. A couple decent plays, but far more bad than good. And his pass rush before the strip strip sack wasn't the best either. I do think that it was better than the Buffalo game, but not as good as the Dallas game that he had. Of course, since since the strip sack, I mean, that might change things there. I got to go back and see the rest of this. And it's a thing of like, he's showing the flashes of what he can do, but he's also showing how much he needs to work on and where he needs to work on, which the Broncos were well aware of when they drafted him 64th overall. So I think that they, they drafted him with a plan and they're just following that plan. Yeah. This isn't Von Miller. All right. That was like ready to go out of the box in as the number two overall pick back in 2011, but he does have some really interesting twitchy bendy, explosive athletic cool components to his game that i think could uh could really be something that helps this team down the, down the road colby he says we get this running game going we're going to be hard to stop a lot of good backs good point and that's the thing is as much as we hear you know let russ cook uh nathaniel hackett he's he's scheming everything around russ this isn't hey the seahawks for his I, I saw a metric today, Eric. I didn't even know this, right? I've been covering Russell Wilson now for whatever it is, six months. Didn't know this until today that his 10 years in the NFL, was it the whole 10 years or maybe it was like the last five or six? I think it was his old career. Guess who led the NFL in rushing over that vast swath of sample size? Seattle Seahawks, okay? Now, granted, he's a big reason for that and all the rush yards he would pick up himself with his legs, but – it goes to show you that the emphasis in Seattle was run first, Russ, make things happen on third down, and when the chips are down in the clutch, we're going to let you go out and just be you. And I think the Broncos, they're going to start more from the whole, hey, we're going to just let you be you, but they're not throwing scheme to the wind. It's going to start with getting that ground game going because, as you can see from watching tonight, modestly successful rushing attack for your Denver Broncos and just how that opens things up so much for an offense. you got to get that going. So if the twos could do it, now I'm starting to feel better. I mean, after 1.8 and 1.9 yards per carry as a team through the first two games, now I'm starting to think, all right, 
the twos can do it, then now I fully believe the ones got this. Yeah, and I think that onto your point about with Russell Wilson and everything, I think what stood out to me with it was during his time in with the Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll ran the ball on first and second down over like 80% of the time. And no other team for any of those years were over like 60%. And getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash farm energy assessment. So it's that whole thing of letting Russ get into a rhythm a little bit earlier, not taking the ball out of his hands as much, and not necessarily letting him cook, but letting him be him, be this playmaker that it could possibly be. And it's exciting. And then watching what this second team offense can do, seeing a little more creativity from the offense as well, it's enough to get me even more excited because yeah. the last two weeks was kind of stale, but that reverse for that touchdown was nice to see. And according to Coach Hackett, who said going into the half on the Nine News broadcast, that was Butch Berry pounding the table for that Montreal-Washington score play. So that was that was cool to hear. Uh, Adam Kern jumping in with a super chat. Thank you, Adam. Really appreciate you, big dog. He says, Benito Ajim, by the way, as I'm watching this just 30 seconds ago, Ajim made another play. He, he batted down a, a pass on under pressure where he had chased him out of the pocket, and the guy went to throw it, batted it down, almost almost was in position to actually pick it off too. But anyway, so he says, does Adam Benito, Ajim, Baron Browning all played well, in my opinion, says Adam Benito forced fumble two or three sacks and people are hating on him. Fans are funny. Well, according to NFL uh, stats, um, which is what I use for my box score, GSS live stats. It's a media thing that we get access to uh, the sacks tonight, Zach, or Zach, Eric, <laughs> Nick Benito, Two sacks plus one of those is a, is a forced fumble, right? Uh, Jonathan Harris credited with a half sack. Jonathan Cooper credited with a half sack. Uh, Delarin Turner Yell with a sack. Uh, McTelvin Ajim with a sack and a forced fumble. And that wraps up the sack. So one, two, three, four, five sacks as a team tonight. That's, that's um, encouraging. It is. I mean, and especially after last year, um, We've harped on it a lot about the lack of pass rush consistently. The fact that Von Miller, even after being traded, was still third on the team for total pressures. Like, so it's great to see. And Benito, I mean, it's great to see him stepping up as a pass rusher. Denver can use his depth in that area this this season. Even if they keep Malik Reed, yeah, Baron Browning, Bradley Chubb, and Randy Gregory, they have that injury history to be concerned about a little bit. So it's great to have the depth with getting after the quarterback. 
because last year we didn't have that depth and it just got completely exposed. So let's flip the conversation for a minute over to offense. And we haven't talked much about wide receivers tonight. Jalen, Virgil, what do you think, Eric? Is he making this roster? Michael says he's not going to. I liked what I saw from Seth Williams tonight. I think he made a big, strong case for himself. Also, Brandon Johnson is banged up. I don't think he's making this roster out of camp. I think they're going to wave him and try and get him on the on the squad. But I think, dude, I'm telling you, I think it's going to end up being now Seth Williams and who? who? I don't know. What do you think? Who are those last two spots going to? So I think that we have the obviously the core three, Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Washington, and I've been one that I thought Brandon Johnson was making this the ankle injury. I think he still has a chance to make the roster initially, but I m- maybe I are like after that point where he can be is able to come off of it. Um, depending on how severe that injury is, it could be a situation where he is out for the year. And so he just goes on IR waivers for the practice squad is also an option. I think the last two spots is looking like Kendall Hinton, Seth Williams, yeah. um, Jalen Virgil, I know he's been impressive. He's had those big catches, but it's been consistently against third and fourth string. And he hasn't been moving up. Like he's been consistently seeing the field in the second half of games, not in the first half when those are guys that have a little bit more of a shot at making the roster. And his muff punt to start the game did him no favors. And it's just, it's rough because I like Jalen Virgil. He was my undrafted free agent to make it, but wide receiver just has so much talent. So what about Kendall Hinton? Because I think just from like the way what I hear from my little birdies and then you even hear things on the on the uh, broadcast tonight, like everyone just it's like fate accomplished Kel- Kendall Hinton making the roster. I'm not so sure, dude. Like I'm not saying that he's not, but he, d- he hasn't done anything tonight. Didn't do much in game two. Had a nice yeah. game one. What say you? He had a really bad drop tonight. And then they were using him as a punt returner where, based off of conversations I've had with multiple people, he's been viewed as that safe punt returner. But he wasn't tonight. He allowed, he made two really bad decisions as a punt returner that put the Broncos in bad starting position. And watching what Seth Williams did, like he's making a strong push for it. And Seth Williams, what he brings to the table is he is reliable as a blocker at receiver, and he's a gunner, and he's good as a gunner. And then you have um, Tyree Cleveland, who Dwayne Stukes, what, just this week or the week before, was talking about he wants him on special teams. He wants him to be a core special teams player. He wants him back so he can use him on special teams. And Dwayne Stukes seems, from, again, conversations I've had, sounds like that he's going to have a pretty decent say about who makes the roster at the bottom of these positions. Yeah. So if, if that's the case, then Tyree Cleveland's probably on it and – Kendall Hinton, maybe that's the receiver Denver trades. Maybe it's Jalen Virgil. I would expect Denver to trade at least one of them, though. You think Kendall Hinton really has value quickly, though? I think he's got enough value to entice a team to get, like, a seventh-round pick. So maybe we're not talking Trinity Benson-level yeah. value, but something. Which, hey, that would be turning uh, – that'd be getting something out of nothing as a former college free agent the Broncos signed. Um, okay, Eric, we wanted to keep tonight's live stream because of the hour um, relatively tight, like around 30 minutes. So, gang, any specific topics, questions you want us to get 
uh, get to tonight, get them in the chat. We will see them pop up for sure. If it's a super chat or stars, they pop to the very top of our stream service that we use. But uh, Eric, before we get out of here, let's go through some risers fallers. We've talked a lot tonight about some of those risers fallers, but on offense, who definitively tonight could you categorize as a riser? Do, do they have to have played in the game? Because I think Billy Turner is definitely a riser. <laughs> I think the fact that Anderson started the game at left tackle and not right tackle made it very clear that Billy Turner will be the starter there. And then I guess during the broadcast, Mike Close came and basically confirmed that as well. Um, but it, an actual riser, I think, would be Seth Williams. I do think that he was helped a little bit by the early injury, ankle injury for Brandon Johnson, giving him a little bit more opportunities. But he went out there, he made plays as a receiver, he made plays as a blocker, he's shown his value. You know, we already knew Mike Boone was making this team, but I'm going to throw him a bone because he is he was the guy, first guy to give us any empirical evidence that the rushing game scheme of Nathaniel Hackett holds merit. So I'm going to keep him on the risers list, even though he was making this roster I mean, if there was any doubt at all, I mean, maybe that's why he was playing tonight. Maybe there was some doubt. I don't. I haven't looked. It's been a while since I looked at his dead cap hit post June June first. But nevertheless, Mike Boone. I'm going to throw Seth Williams in. I'm going to throw Brett Rippin in. Now, was it perfect? No. That interception. You go. Oh, you charge it to the game. It was an. It was just an unlucky. No, it wasn't a good throw, dude. That pick was on him, bro. I mean, bad luck of the draw in terms of how the ball popped up in the air and was picked off, but, like, that was not a good throw. But overall, the offense was moving, baby. It was grooving. He was in command for the most part, some off-target off stuff. Again, lack of velocity on that arm. But still, I'm going to say Brett Rippon is a riser. I'm not quite ready to say that about Josh. Now, I know he's playing with all the, the threes here in the second half, Josh Johnson, but so for me, Big key risers jumping out today. Uh, Seth Williams on offense anyway. Seth Williams. Brett Rippon. I'm going to throw in, of course, Mike Boone. Offensive line. I'm going to throw in Quinn Bailey. All right. What about tight ends? What did you see from the tight ends tonight? Not much. I think Eric Tomlinson has cemented himself on the roster just because he was the most reliable blocker out there. Um. But the issue was, I mean, we didn't have Albert O. We didn't have Greg Dulcich. So it was a lot of Andrew Beck and Eric Saubert after Tomlinson came out. Because I don't think Tomlinson played at all in the second half. I don't remember seeing him out there. And which, in the final precinct game, if you come out at halftime, that's typically a pretty good sign you're making the squad. Andrew Beck is one that I've absolutely ragged on for years. And he had a rough first half. And the second half was great from him. But that's when, again, you're going to those guys who are just trying to make a roster or a practice squad somewhere. Yeah. And that's what it took for him to step up. I think it's possible all five guys make it simply because Dulcich dealing with that hamstring injury. And hamstring injuries can be so tricky to deal with. All right. So the game's officially in the can. Broncos win 23-13. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So, heck yeah. Good for you, Nathaniel Hackett. You finished strong, baby. Two and one in the preseason. Not that it matters as far as the win-loss, but you started off on a strong footing. This is what's encouraging. Then you took a big couple of steps backwards, and then it's like, all right, test of my medal as a leader. Can I right the ship? Because if you're the captain, whether you go off course or you're facing some kind of a performance issue with your crew or mutiny, God forbid, can you will things back onto course, whether it's your crew, whether it's the ship itself, going where it needs to go? And Nathaniel Hackett, his first sign of adversity, Eric, he, I think he showed well here this preseason that he's got the cachet, he's got the medal, he's got the wherewithal when those things happen. He can he can be trusted, perhaps, we're learning as we go on Nathaniel Hackett, to right the ship. Yeah, and I mean, that's something you want to see, and it's not... It's just the fact of his youth still. I mean, he's still a bit younger. Evro is still younger. So seeing them react and respond the way they did, even though, like, we talked about it last week about how good the Bills' depth is and that even though they and they started their starters, like, despite all that, like, they needed to step up and get this on track, and they did. I mean, we saw it on both sides of the ball, them step up, the players step up. We saw a little bit more fire, more momentum. And we saw them being more invested in what's going on in the field. And I think that speaks well to the young coaching and new coaching staff the Broncos have. All right. Who are some of your, some of your risers on defense, Eric? I'll say Ajim and Benito because they made those splash plays. But one thing that I will always talk about, one thing I always talk about with myself is I love consistency from players. Splash plays are great, but you got to be consistent. Neither one of them were, but those splash plays were great to see. Yeah. And they need they both needed to make them. Benito wasn't at risk of losing his roster spot, but where he stands on the falls on the depth chart, that mattered. Um Delaire and Turner Yell, I think he had a really good game. I know a lot yeah. of people have hyped up his second half against the Bills. I still can't get him pulling up against the run and letting the guy go for another 10 yards out of my mind. Yeah. From last week. And um the linebacker Malga, I thought I thought looked pretty good out there. Yeah. That missed tackle was obviously bad, but the play before that, he just reads it right away, flies through the line of scrimmage, and makes the tackle for a loss. And he's been he's made some multiple other plays. And Jr. Reed, I think Jr. Reed has had has quietly been extremely good all preseason long. 
Howie freaking day jumping in. Good, uh, good to see you, my dog. He says, hey, fellas, a great bounce back this week. That run game, though, Rippon should be QB2 after, should he be two, after tonight? I do think he should. Um, it's possible the Broncos look off roster because neither one of their backups this year has been like, yo, we got something here. But if you're going to just base it entirely on what you, we've seen and what they have, I'm edging it to Rippon. Yeah, it's hard to bring in a backup quarterback at the final cutdown just because these guys, Johnson and Rippon, as bad as they've been, they've been working in their offense. So if you're going to bring somebody in, you need somebody who's familiar with it. And I'm not sure anybody who's familiar with it that would be an upgrade over them is going to be made available, which makes it rough. Maybe they do, but on roster, I'm with you. I think it's Brett Rippon. What to make... And then uh, we'll we'll start winding this down and get on out of here. But what do you make of the punter competition? Did Sam Martin settle it tonight? Is it going to come down to the wire in terms of how these coaches debate it? What say you? So for me, the conversation has always been about the cost. Yep. And it's the the cost differential is one point four million. Was Sam Martin one point four million better than Corliss Waitman this preseason? Is he one point four million better? I don't think so. I don't either. I I think that especially when you're having to pay Russell Wilson soon, you got to factor in costs and maybe a another team ironically, there's a team looking for a punter. Maybe you can get something for him on a trade like George Payton likes those picks, so dangle everyone you can, I guess. I mean, I did like that one boneheaded play that Boban Moyer made on the yeah. on that touchback. That was a very nice punt by Sam Martin, and it even had me questioning, like, all right, how much of a miser do you want to be on salary cap? Because, like, you're finally you finally have a team here with Russell Wilson where you're going to be in very competitive games, and those are the kind of s- small margin for error situations that can end up costing you in the final analysis. Do you really want to push your luck with an unproven guy uh, relatively like Cor- uh, Corliss Waitman? I wouldn't necessarily say Sam Martin like defended his his job with authority, but he was I thought tonight more solid in his his you know swings at the plate than than Waitman, and because it's because Eric it's Russell Wilson like if I had a say in it I might just be like you know what guys let's not let's not tempt fate here we're gonna need some veteran competence let's just go ahead and swallow that one point four million dollar difference. And consider our and move on to the next topic yeah. of discussion in today's meeting. And I think on the field, going away from the cost, I'll be curious to see what they value more because Sam Martin had the longer punts, but Waitman he had the better hang time. And with True. Denver's issues on special teams over the previous years on punt returns, you don't want to out punch your coverage, and he didn't. And yeah, there was that bon- boneheaded play from Bob and Moyer with Sam Martin's punt. But before that, there was one with Waitman. And last week or the week before, I can't remember which one, the special teams unit, the Gunners just completely lost sight of the ball. And Waitman dropped it right on the five-yard line. And they all had plenty of time to get there. They just stopped because they bought the returner. So Waitman's dealt with some boneheaded plays from the Gunners too. But that veteran aspect of it and how Martin has been more consistent, I can see them leaning with that even despite the cost. But it, it's 
it's tough to make because it really comes down to is do they want that consistency? Do they want the hang time? How much does the cost factor in? And that's just something that we don't know. We've had about 150 people join us since the final gun. So welcome in everybody. Those of you who are joining us late, we opted tonight because it was a preseason game to go ahead and fire off this gut reaction episode while the game was still going about halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, we probably wouldn't be doing that on a regular season game. So welcome in everybody, but, um, we're also not going to be keeping this a very long stream because it's late and we got a lot of work to do. A lot of written articles and content and stuff that need to go up at milehighhuddle.com. Um, Eric, anything tonight that we didn't touch on? One thing that com- that jumps out to me and it comes back to the quarterback debate as far as QB2 is I liked that that ugly start. Unfortunately, it was a whiffy sitch for uh, Jalen Virgil, that first kick return. I loved seeing Brett Rippon just march down. You know, he got picked off in the in the end zone. And again, don't make excuses for him. That was a bad ball. He did. I mean, that was way too far inside if you're going to make that throw. But I digress. I still give him credit for marching the Broncos all the way down the field to open that thing up from the three-yard line props. Yeah, I mean, one thing that he's consistently shown is just the poise. Even with that Jets game that he started a couple years ago, there, he has the poise to be an NFL quarterback. Not he, but. He just doesn't have the talent overall to be a starter. Um, And that drive, I mean, it was great. I mean, it shows his willingness to step in. He he took some, stood in there and took some big hits to make the throws. Some of them fell incomplete. Some of them sailed on him. And with that interception, it was a bad ball. There's no defending him. But there does need to be a comment about Hamler on it. And maybe you can remember for sure which leg it was. Was Was the leg that Hamler hurt the right one? I remember it was a it was a ball to the right sideline. I I don't know. Keep talking, and I'll do some quick research. Yeah, because what I notice is that normally Hamler, like his cuts, aren't super sharp, but it this cut for this route was really rounded, and he was planting for the cut off that right leg. So maybe if it was that right leg, maybe there was a little bit of uncomfortableness of making that tight cut off of it. But whatever the case, it was James Campbell is saying that it was the right ACL, and that sounds right. Um, I'm reading but, here from the Denver Post for what it's worth. Denver Post last year left ACL. Okay. Hold, so, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's Nine News. Pardon me. Nine News reported September 27th. It was the left for what it's worth. I don't know. Okay. Well, whatever the case may be, he just rounded his route a little bit more than he should have. But it doesn't matter because when he get out of that, he didn't rep and didn't lead the receiver at all. He threw it basically right to the outreach outstretched hand of the safety that was on him. And that's on him. But despite that, I mean, bad luck, bad throw, a little bit of everything in there. He's still shown far more. And I believe he has led the Broncos to more points than Josh Johnson has during the preseason. And I mean, looking at what he did against the second unit of the, of the um, Vikings and what Johnson Johnson did against the second unit of the Cowboys and the bills, like Rippon did more. Yeah. So I'm looking at it 17 points this game. Johnson had 17 the first game, so there's a, there's a tie. 
And then let's see, Johnson got six more today. So that's 23 points. And then I'm trying to remember what Rippon scored in game two. Hold on. Let me, let me just go back to the box score. Uh, Broncos, what did they finish? Yeah, so he has he does have him outscored by about a touchdown, Eric, in this preseason. Ripping yeah. over Johnson. All right, guys, we're about out of time tonight, so I'm gonna I'm gonna grab uh, this question from Glenn. He wants to know, Eric, are you flying in for the meet and greet? I am, and I'm super excited and super excited to be going to going to be going to the game too. Got myself a ticket for it. But I'm super excited. I wasn't originally planning on going, but fortunately, the wife and I have managed to make it work. Heck, yeah. It's going to be awesome. We had a ton of fun last year in the first bona fide MHH meet and greet. That was so much fun. So we can't wait to see as many of you as possible week three at home against the Niners Sunday night football. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, chilling in the in the um tailgate all day long literally all day long right up until game time we'll be having some food we'll be having some conversations we'll be shooting some podcasts live streams it'll be fun and we'll be giving out some merch and we'll be there to to we want to meet as many of you as possible look you in the eye and say thank you for being a part of our community so um yeah eric you're getting some requests here make sure you wear that shirt to the game i I did last year it just came off rather early because I'm in Alaska and I go down there and it was like 90 degrees and I thought I was going to die. So it came off pretty early, but I did wear it. Uh, Todd, sorry to tell you, buddy, we're about to dip on out of here. We, we've spent a lot of time on this one tonight. So if you want to go back, um, you'll see a lot of this conversation when we end the stream. BNS, how much do we save against the cap? Eric, what was it? 1.4 million if they go with Waitman over Martin at it's- Punter? It's more than that because the 1.4 million is essentially the cost differential from mm. of what they would save with cutting the dead money from cutting Martin and what Waitman costs. Right. We'll see. But guys, we're going to dip on out for tonight. Thanks for making some time for us late, a late third preseason game uh, in the Mile High City. We're closing in on about 10:25 p.m. almost by the time we get off this stream. So we appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. We will, Zach and myself, be back in the saddle tomorrow night for the aftermath, and we'll start really rolling up our sleeves on some 53-man roster predictions. Speaking of which, Eric had a great piece to go read. I don't think there was really much that I can remember as the copy editor of that, Eric, that (laughs) probably is all that different after this game, to be frank with you. Maybe the McTelvin Ajim thing, I don't know, but it's worth a read, and uh, go check that out. Connect with Eric on Twitter, at Eric Trickle, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Also, make sure you are following the mother account for Mile High Huddle on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle. Check out the merch store, gang. Our pricing matrix has been dropped to, like, bare bones. There's, no, there's like, hardly any. Basically, the pricing is set up just so that we don't lose money. We're not trying to make money on it. So go get those designs. We appreciate you, everybody who's been supporting the, the merch store since the very beginning. It only exists because of your popular demand. But when we went to a whole new look and design, it's my fault. I didn't realize a few of the pricing things, the matrix. It was a little skiwampus, and I noticed that last week. We fixed it, so go check that out. Uh, make sure you're following the Huddle Up, Mile High Huddle, whatever, Facebook page, okay? Because that's where a lot of our Facebook content for face or, or podcast content for Facebook, where you're going to find that. And then, hey, do us a solid you're an Apple user, go over to Apple Podcasts, 
Look up the Mile High Huddle podcast. And all of our pods are under that one umbrella on Apple Pods. So give us a five-star review. And when you do that, it enters you into our monthly giveaway, our monthly drawing for a little piece of swag as a small thank you for supporting us and our calls to action. Other than that, Eric, dude, thanks for making time, brother. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Anytime, Mike, I just enjoy getting on here, chatting with everybody in the chat, chatting with you or whoever I happen to be jumping on with. Just a good time. Great to see each and every one of you. Seriously, thanks for staying up late with Eric and myself. For Eric, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 